Come on, stand to your feet and grab your Bibles this morning. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Hallelujah. So much that's going on here at New Harvest Church, even as Pastor Corey was sharing. Just make sure you stay plugged in and stay apart. We're excited about this year. I believe God's got great things in store for us this year. I'm excited for what he's going to do, not only in this house as a family, but what he's going to do in your house as a family. Amen. So we thank God for that. If you would please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And I want to uh, release what I believe a prophetic charge and unction over your life. I praise God for last Sunday. Uh, Pastor Tina shared last Sunday. And I just encourage you to, if you weren't here, to, to go back online and listen to that. She talked about new days and new ways. 2022 and I believe it's the right on word just to get you the get you caught up but this morning if you would just allow me just a little bit of time here just to release what I believe is a prophetic word over your life for 2022 I believe it's going to be the groundwork for where God has taken us over the next 12 months these are going to be some exciting times just look at your neighbor and say, you might as well buckle up because it's going to be a ride. It's going to be a ride. It's going to be a good ride. Amen. Amen. I, I, I know Pastor Corey just mentioned it, but next Sunday I will be uh, talking to you a little bit about what we call Vision Sunday. And I'm just going to unfold some things to you, things that you've not heard yet, things that, that has not been declared yet here, but things that we are doing here. And so it's going to be some fresh stuff that you're going to hear along with some things that we've already done, and uh, I think you're going to be amazed. I think you're going to be blown away about what God, at what God is doing right here in Sugartown. Hallelujah. I mean, by the, time, by the time we get through the end of this year, you're just going to have to help me right here now. By the time we get to the end of this year, we're going to have some buildings on this property. Amen. Amen. We're just, we, we are, we are full steam ahead. That's what we are. And, and it's like we used to say growing up, like we ain't taking no prisoners. We, we just running right, running right over into the enemy's camp. And we just letting him know we ain't here to play. We are here to mess up everything you've ever tried to do. And we're here to dislodge you, uproot you, and cast you out because we believe God has a purpose for this territory. Amen. So just look at your neighbor and say, just hang on, baby. It's just going to be a good ride. It's going to be a good ride. And so next Sunday, we're going to be talking about some of those things. I'm going to be sharing some things with you. And I just believe we're literally going to open up everything that God is saying to us. And we are going to advance the cause right here in the glades. Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis 25. Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to be reading pretty sporadically here in these next two chapters, so it's good to come to church and bring your Bibles. It's good to come to church and read your Bible. Some of y'all ain't read your Bible since last year. <laughs> so it's good to come to church and read your Bible. I'm, I'm a little old school too. I think, uh, I think it might have been Pastor Tina last week that talked about the printed word. I, I, I'm, I do have the Bible app on my phone and I use it as much as I need to, but I I like to feel the pages. And so it's good to come to church and at least bring something that's got the word in it. 
Huh? If you're under 35, you can bring your smart whatever. If you're over 35, you bring probably a book or something. Genesis 25, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 5. It says, Now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. He gave all. Somebody shout all. He gave all that he had to Isaac. But to the sons of the concubines, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living. And he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the land of the east. And these are the years of Abraham that he lived, 175 years. Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But to the sons of the concubines, he gave them gifts. Look with me in chapter 26, verse number 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and he said, do not go down to Egypt. But stay in the land. Look at somebody and tell them, you got to stay in the land. You got to stay in the land. Stay in the land of which I tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you. And here's the key word right here. And I'm going to bless you. God said, stay in the land. Stay in your place of assignment. Stay in your lane. Stay right where I have called you to be. And there, in that place, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you right there in that land. To you and your descendants, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. And I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And I will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. It's the same promise that Abraham, his father, got in Genesis 12. Abraham gave everything that he had to Isaac. But to the sons of the concubine, he gave gifts. Now look with me in verse number 12. Now Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year. Somebody shout the same year. Come on, I just want you to participate with me for a little bit. I know you're standing, but let's just work it out. Somebody shout the same year. The same year, 2022, this year, this year, the same year, the same year, he reaped a hundredfold return, and the Lord blessed him, and he became rich, and he continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy, for he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. I'm just trying to say to you, God's going to bless you to the point that even your enemies are going to get jealous. Verse number 15. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines, stopped them up by filling them with the earth or with dirt. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed from there and he camped in the valley of Gerar and, he, and, and settled there. Now here's where we want to go. Verse number 18. Then Isaac dug again the wells of the water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. 
for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley, and he found there a well of flowing water, the herdsmen of Gerar began to quarrel, quarrel, uh, quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, The water is ours. So he named the well Asek, which literally means contention, because they contended with him. And then he dug another well, and they quarreled over it, and he named it Sitna. And he moved away from there, and he dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So, so he named it Rehoboth, for he said, At last the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you, and I will bless you, and I will multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there, and he called upon the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there. Notice now all this is taking place in the land of the famine. All this is going on. God's blessing him in the land of famine. He's finding water in the land of famine. God's blessing his household in the land of famine. He's got flocks. He's got cattle. He's got resources. He's got jobs. He's got businesses. It's all going on right there in the land of famine. Huh? Verse number, verse number, uh, well, so he built an altar there and he called upon him and the Lord blessed him. And Isaac's servants dug a well. Look with me in verse number 32. And it came about on the same day that Isaac's servants came in and told him about the well which they had dug. And he said to, said to him, we have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day, to this day. Verse number 22, which that word Beersheba literally means the land of wells. The land of, it's still active today. If you go to the Middle East and you go to the land of Beersheba, that still ancient city is still called Beersheba. And it's literally the land of the wells. And those wells are still flowing today. Right now. Right now. They're still flowing right now in Beersheba. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 22. And he moved away from there and he dug a well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth. For he said, at last, the Lord has made room for us and we're going to be fruitful in the land. This is what I want to release over your life this morning as we begin. I want to say to you, God is making room for you. God is making room for you. Now this is what I need you to do. I need you to come alive for the next 30 seconds. Can you do that? I want you to high five about three people around you and tell them God is about to make some room in your environment. God's about to make some room in your neighborhood. God is about to make some room over your family. Come on, push on somebody like God is about to do something. Come on, some of you ain't moved yet. Come on, touch somebody and tell them God is making some room. God is making some room over your life. Come on, where's this Holy Ghost filled church at? Where's this church that really believes that God can do anything? God is making some room for me. God is making, the, the word Rehoboth literally means a broad place. God is bringing you into a broad place. 
a place that is wide, a place that is deep, a place that has everything you have need of. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you today, Lord, for what you're going to do in the next few moments. Thank you for those that have gathered here physically and those that are listening by the way of social media and the radio today. Lord, I thank you for touching hearts and touching lives. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for opening up our ears to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying to us. And Father, we just give you all the praise now. Hallelujah. We give you all the praise in advance. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. In our text this morning, the first few verses that we read, it said that Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Meaning this, that Isaac had received what Isaac had received from Abraham was much more than material things. Isaac became the recipient of an impartation. Isaac became the recipient of Abraham's blessing. This becomes interesting to me because to the sons of the concubines, Isaac's brothers, his half-brothers, to the sons of the concubines, he gave them gifts. Isaac got the impartation from Abraham, but everybody else got stuff. Isaac got a spiritual impartation, but to the sons of the concubine, they got material things. And then Isaac sent them, or Abraham sent them away to the east. The sons of the concubine got them some cows. <laughs> they got some wagons. They got the silver. And they got the gold. But Isaac got a blessing. Isaac got a spiritual impartation. Everybody else got him some money. Everybody else got him a job. Everybody else got him a business. Everybody else got him some resources. But Isaac got a blessing. <laughs> Abraham gave to Isaac the thing that makes Abraham Abraham. Everybody else got stuff, but Isaac got what Abraham was made of. Isaac got what the Lord gave to Abraham. Isaac got a spiritual impartation when everybody else got stuff. We know Abraham is the father of faith. In fact, Genesis 15 says, and God credited to Abraham as righteousness because he believed God. It was a credit unto Abraham that he might be the father of our faith because he believed God. In hope, Romans says, in hope against hope, he believed God. When nothing made no sense in his world, he believed God. Everybody else got him some money, but Isaac got a blessing. I'm going somewhere. He gave something to Isaac. Watch me now. He gave something to Isaac that money can't buy. 
He released into Isaac the ability to believe against the odds. He imparted to Isaac, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you can believe your way out of it. He gave to Isaac that even though you may get knocked down in life, you're not going to be knocked out because you got faith to get back up again. Come on, talk to me up in here, somebody. It was the impartation that he gave to Isaac that gave him the ability to stand in the midst of a famine and still build an altar, still dig some wells and find some water when everything around him was drying up because he had the ability to believe God no matter what the enemy does, no matter what the circumstances come and look like. At the end of the day, I'm going to believe God. And whatever God got my father through, he's got the same blessing to get me through. I just came here to tell somebody this morning, you may be standing here in a world thinking that over the last two years you have been flipped upside down and drug backwards through a knothole. But I came to tell you there is a spiritual blessing over your life and it don't matter what it looks like right now God is not finished with what he started he got the blessing Abraham gave Isaac what he had what he had was the blessing of Abraham if you will read Genesis 12 you will find out he said I'm going to make your name great I'm going to bless those who bless you and I'm going to curse those who curse you And all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Your descendants are going to be blessed. Your children are going to be blessed. Your grandchildren are going to be blessed. Your great-grandchildren are going to be blessed. I'm going to start a line that I started in your father Abraham. And I'm going to run it through your gene pool. And I'm going to run it through your generation. So by the time the next generation gets here, they still have the ability to stand in the midst of all the chaos and all the craziness. Knowing that I didn't just give you stuff. I didn't give you a, a horse or a buggy or some cows. I gave you a blessing that will outlast your money. I gave you a blessing that will outlast the chaos of your life. I gave you an impartation. I gave you the ability to believe when the odds were stacked against you. Hey, look at somebody and tell them God's about to make some room this year. Come on, tell them God's going to make some room. The force behind the blessing, the force behind the blessing is the ability to increase. It's the ability to prosper. It's the ability to excel in every area of your life. The blessing, watch me now, just track with me for a few moments. The blessing is not about things. It will produce things. It can even create things. But it's not about things. This will be on the screen for you. This, this is a working definition. The blessing Is the capacity to experience, enjoy, and extend the goodness and the favor of God in your life. That's what the blessing is. That's what Isaac got. Everybody else got a better 401k. But Isaac got the blessing. In God's, the, the blessing is God's divine spoken favor over your life the blessing is a pronounced spoken announcement 
over your life. That's what the blessing is. It's, it's, it's God's divine favor that you get to mix with your faith that will produce an abundance in your spirit, your soul, and your body. That's what the blessing is. So many times in our Christian world, we are striving for things. And all you need is the blessing. The Greek word often translated for the word blessed or blessing in, in, in the New Testament or the Septuagint is the word markias, which, which literally means to be fortunate, to be happy, or to be enlarged. The, the, the Septuagint is, 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 the old, is, is, is the Old Testament that gets translated into the Greek language. It's defined as the kind of happiness that comes from receiving favor from God. Just look at your neighbor and tell them in case they hadn't heard it yet this year. Just tell them you're blessed. Just tell them they may not even know it, but you're blessed. And you know what that means when you just said that you're blessed? You know what that really means? It means you're favored. That's what it really means. It means you're favored. You've been favored by God. The fact that you're sitting here today, it means that God has blessed you. In other words, God has put his favor on you. And because you've got God's favor on you, you can stand in the midst of a chaotic, gone crazy world and say, it, don't may, it may not look like much right now, but by the time God gets through with this blessing on my life, I'm going to have more than enough. I'm going to be on the top and not the bottom. Come on, push on somebody and tell them God's about to make some room now. God's about to make some room. Let me just, let me work it out so I can preach it. The, 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 the Vine Dictionary and the Webster Dictionary defines it this way. It's to call, the word blessed means to cause to prosper. It means to, dis, to, to, to bestow favor upon, to consecrate, to holy purposes, to make successful or to make prosperous in temporal concerns pertaining to this life. Literally means to guard and preserve. That's what Abraham gave to Isaac. He put God's favor on Isaac. That's why I don't have time to hear all these sad stories. Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ... You ain't got time to play hee-haw music. <laughs> you ain't got time to sing bloom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been favored by God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been blessed by God. And it may not look good right now, but I'm not, I'm not laying down. I'm not letting go of any promise that God has ever given to me. I may have come through a lot, but the fact I'm still standing ought to tell you that God is not finished with his plan, his will, or his purpose over my life. There are others that could not make the journey. There are others that are not even sitting in here today that should be in here. But God has favored me. I have not lost my faith. I have not lost my joy. 
life. I have not lost my step in walking with the Lord. I still got a praise. I still got some worship. I still have an intimate relationship. If you look at my life, it don't add up. But God is still working on me. God is still providing for me. God is still making a way where there seems to be no way. God is still getting out in front of me. He's coming up behind me. He's walking beside me. This same God that blessed my father Abraham is the same God that's going to bless me in the midst of the famine. It's going to bless me in the midst of the craziness because God put me at the right time, in the right place, in the right generation, in the right city, in the right church so that he could get the glory. Come on, push on somebody and tell them we're about to make some room now. We're about to, we're about to make some room up in here. I'm going to preach in a minute. Just hang out with me. Abraham gave to Isaac all that he had. He didn't give him a bunch of stuff. He gave him a pronounced impartation to experience the goodness of God. Somebody said, well, I don't know about this Christian stuff. I don't know if I, I don't like all this trouble. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, so you know how supposed to get on God's side. That's where you better get. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get bad no matter what side you're on, but you better be on God's side because God's side is the one that carries the blessing. Well, I don't know. I've just been through a whole lot. Well, suck it up, buttercup. We've all been through something. We all got some stuff that we don't that we don't want to keep talking about. We all got some scars. We all got some memories. But by the time God gets through with my dilemma, by the time God gets through with my famine, I'm gonna find me some water. I'm gonna find me a Holy Ghost power. I'm gonna find the movement of God right here in the midst of a crazy gone world. Hey, hallelujah. So as believers, now push on somebody and tell them, are you a believer? Ask them, are you a believer? If they didn't respond, that's a good indication of where they're at. As believers, we carry the same blessing. We carry the same blessing on our life that causes us to experience the goodness of God. Even in the land of difficulty. We have the same blessing on us. No matter what you're going through right now. Your circumstances does not dictate the will of God. Your momentary, Paul called it, afflictions. Does not dictate the outcome of your life. They were just momentary Light afflictions is what Paul said. That's producing in us something far more glorious than what we see. Because what we can't see is more powerful than what we can see. And when you begin to understand that I'm not just going through life trying to struggle and make it. I'm going through life blessed. I'm going through life favored because God has put his stamp of approval over my life. So this kind of blessing, now just let me work it out for a moment. This kind of blessing will cause you to rise. 
This kind of blessing will cause you to increase. We've already talked about how it will cause you to prosper. We've already talked about how it would enlarge you. We already talked about how it would expand the borders of your dwelling. We've already talked about how it would give you this, this state of happiness. And I'm not using that loosely I'm not, because happiness is in the emotional realm. It, but it's giving you this confidence that in the midst of the chaos, God is still on the throne. And I can still experience God in the midst of everything. Things don't have to be good for me to trust God. I'm going to wait on a better amen right there. I don't have to have everything perfect to trust God. In fact, I've come to the place in my life where I realize it don't matter what's coming my way. I have anchored my soul in the hope of my calling. I've anchored my soul in the one who can perform, in the one who is able to redeem, who, the one who is able to reconcile, the one who is able to reestablish and re, 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 recommit everything that he's promised to me to bring it back to life. As believers living in the 21st century, we have to get away from what I call the American gospel and get back to a biblical gospel. Because a biblical gospel is not, it's not, a, it's not a safe free zone of trouble. <laughs> Somebody said, well, the safest place to be is in the will of God. That's a lie. <laughs> The, the most dangerous place to be is in the will of God. The safest place to be is outside the will of God because you don't get attacked as much. But I'd rather be in a war zone in the will of God than be in a safe zone outside the will of God. So, 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 so this blessing is what causes you to increase when there's a recession. Hmm. This blessing is what causes you to increase when there is depression. Let me put it to you this way. This, 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 this blessing is what causes you to prosper when there's a pandemic. <laughs> it, it causes you to arise above Economic calamity. As long as I got the blessing, I ain't worried about what the devil's doing. Because God, God can make it up in the midst of the chaos. This pronounced blessing was to Abraham, which was his seed, to his seed, not his seeds. In other words, what God promised to Abraham, he said, I want to give this to your seed and then to your descendants after that. In other words, this promised blessing was to Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, watch me real quick. I just want to make sure we're clear on it. Go with me to Galatians. Is this all right so far? We're going to work it out here in, the moment, in a moment. Galatians. It's kind of warm in here, ain't it? Somebody didn't pay their tithes last week. We had to let the electrical bill go this month. We're trying to catch up. <laughs> That's a lie I'm playing. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3, verse number 13 says, Christ redeemed us 
from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone who hangs on a tree. In order, watch this now, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to all those living in the Clouston area. Y'all see that? Might come upon the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Notice that the blessing that came upon Abraham came through his seed, which was Jesus Christ. So what's true of Jesus is true of me. Look with me in verse number 29. Let me just, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and your heirs according to the promise. So no matter what is going on in my world, I'm an heir according to the promise. To Isaac, he gave all that he had. But to the sons of concubine, he gave them gifts. He gave them a job. He gave them some finances. But Isaac got something deeper than material things. Isaac got the promise that was given to Abraham that would eventually run through his lineage to Jesus Christ. And we are, we are, we are, we are Jesus is an heir of God, and we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So whatever, has, whatever Jesus has, I have. Where Jesus rules, I rule. Where Jesus has victory, I have victory. Ephesians says we are seated with him in heavenly places. Come on, talk to me. That means all my enemies are under my feet. If they're under his feet, they're under my feet. Hallelujah. So that means I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm just trying to help us understand. You may live in a troubled world, but you don't have to be troubled. You may live in a world where there's diseases and there's death and there's chaos and there's economic calamity, but you don't have to live on that level. You don't have to live according to that standard. Everybody in your family tree may be broke as anybody you know, but you don't have to be broke. Everybody in your tree may be on medication, but you don't have to be on medication. Everybody in your family may be strung out and depressed, but because you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, whatever is true of Jesus was true of Abraham. Whatever was true of Abraham is true of Isaac. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right there. So what God has in store for us is way more, way more than what the world could ever offer. Come on, look at somebody. God's making some room for me. God's making some room for me. He's making some room for me. For me, because it don't matter what's going on around me, if Jesus is the seed of Abraham, those in Christ inherit Abraham's covenant promises. Those that are in Christ receive what Abraham was promised. This impartation, just, uh, just laying a little bit of a foundation so I can open this thing up. This impartation is more important. It becomes more important to Isaac when Abraham dies. Because the Bible says there arose another famine 
in the land besides the previous famine. Every person and every generation has to learn how to deal with their own famine. Every person, one generation has to overcome. I'm just talking about the ones in America now. Every generation in America had to learn how to overcome. One generation had to overcome a civil war. Another generation had to, over, had to overcome World War I. Another generation had to over, overcome World War II. Another generation had to overcome the Korean War. Another generation had to overcome the Vietnam War. Another generation had to overcome the Iraqi Wars and all the Middle East Wars. One generation in the 20s had to overcome a depression. Huh? There's, and, and, and now we got a generation that's got to learn how to overcome rogue governments. Huh? We're living in a generation where everything's jacked up, where there's corrupt governments. We're living in a generation where there's a pandemic. Whether, however you believe it, whether it was planned or not, pandemic, pandemic, it's still a pandemic. It's still a pandemic. <laughs> huh? So it don't matter what you believe or how you believe. I don't care. I'm just saying you still got to deal with it. Huh? And, and, and we got to deal with failing economies. Over 200,000 businesses have been shut down in the last two, two years because we got governments that are saying one thing while we believe another thing. And so we got to learn how to overcome our own famine in our own generation. Because if God could do it for Abraham and his famine, and he could do it for Isaac and his famine, you better believe that same blessing is still working in your day and in your time. Yes, it is. This becomes important to us because, because we, we have to teach. This is what we have to do. We have to teach and impart to the next generation around us that there are more important things in your life besides stuff. There's more important things besides a better video game. Y'all not going to help me. There's more important things by your social media following. There's more important things than how many likes and how many views you get on Instagram and YouTube. There are more important things. When a famine hits, you need to go deeper. When a famine, when a famine hits, you got to pull from the resources of your own well and say, God will bless me in the midst of the craziness. The thing that you need to know that the land was in famine. Besides the previous famine, back-to-back famines, we had two years of famine in America. But it's not a famine for, uh, for, 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 for a thirst for water. It's the famine of the Word of God, Amos said. And while our nation has gone through a lack, a struggle, the church has to be careful that we don't fall into the same famine because we got a promise. We got a promise that says, I, you can drop me off in the middle of Baghdad and watch God work on in my life. You can drop me off in the middle of any chaotic situation and watch God bless me. In times of famine, if all you got is stuff, it ain't going to help you. Because in times of famine, your cows get skinny. Your 401k don't mean nothing. You can spend your whole life saving for retirement and spend one week in a hospital and lose every bit of it. Huh? 
401k, 501ks. I just wish I had a K. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I don't have it. I don't have any of that. I'm not saying it's wrong to have it. I'm just saying I don't put stock in that. I don't put my trust in that. I just lost. I just, the, the amens went from, whoo, preach it to, oh, 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 don't, oh, oh you, you're tapping in my retirement. Don't say it. Don't say it. During famine, your gold loses its value. <laughs> your thirst for water in famine means more than wagons. Where's my Holy Ghost church at right now? During famines, all them, all them people that are working for you, all them servants, just become more mouths to feed. In famine, all, all, all your stuff becomes a liability, not a blessing. When a famine hits, the more stuff you have, the quicker you feel it. What good is your cows? If you can't feed them. What good is your gold. When you don't have no water. What good are your servants. If you can't pay them. When there's a famine. When there's a shortage. When there's a lack. You got to have more. Than stuff. You better be operating. From a well. A resource. That says, I know I'm blessed. <laughs> I may be standing right here and everything around me dying, but I know I'm blessed. And I ain't backing up on God's promises just because of my circumstances don't look good right now. When there's, listen, when there's a famine in your marriage, money can't buy you love. When there's a famine in your children... All the right clothes, all the right shoes, all the smartphones and the video games and the extracurricular activities can't help them. Because when there's a famine, you need more than stuff. When your kids have gone crazy, you don't need to give them another Xbox. You need to give them a word from God and say, you may be jacked up right now, but I put my foot on a promise based on a blessing that I have from God. And I'm not about to turn you over to any devil. I'm not to turn you loose. I'm not going to turn you loose to anything that the world can offer I'm going to fight for your soul I'm going to fight for your life and I'm going to stand as long as there's breath in my body I refuse to surrender what God has blessed me with to the devil hallelujah when there's a famine in your life all the vacations all the promotions all the raises all the new jobs bigger house don't mean nothing just because you have a house don't mean you got a home just because you married don't mean you got intimacy. Praise the Lord. The Bible says others got stuff and Abraham sent them to the east. But Isaac got what Abraham had. Isaac had something on him. He had a faith. Let me, let me, I, I was trying to think of a way to say it when I was working on this last night and some this week. Isaac had this thing on him that was like, no matter what, no matter what happens, I know what to do. That's what Isaac had on him. No matter what's going on in my life or in my environment, he had this thing on him that says, I know what to do. 
Come on, just look at somebody next to you and say, I know what to do. I know what to do. When things get tough and I find myself in a crisis or I find myself in a famine, I got this thing on me called the blessing, but it literally means I know what to do. I know what to do with what God's put on me. I'm not just going to sit here and let it lay dormant. I know what to do. I know how to dust myself off. Come on, 2022. I know how to straighten up my shoulders. I know how to look the devil back into his eyeball and say, you know what? You hit me with your best shot. You threw everything at me. You messed with my family members. You took away some family members. You gave it everything you got. But at the end of the day, I'm coming back and I'm going to give you everything God has ever blessed me with. I'm going to walk right over into enemy hell territory and I'm going to raise people from the dead. I'm going to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I'm going to put my faith into action. I'm going to watch God raise it up while he tears other ones down. I'm going to see the goodness of God even in the land of the living. Come on, tell somebody he's making room now. He's making room. Right there in the middle of a crisis, Isaac knew what to do. He found himself, Isaac now, finds himself in the middle of a famine. But it's a place where God was about to provide His faithfulness to Isaac. Right there where the ends don't meet, God was about to be faithful. Right there when he was at his lowest, God was about to be found faithful. When everything in his life shifted for the worse, God was about to be found faithful. And the Bible says, and God blessed him and brought him into a broad place and made him fruitful in the land. What land? The land of famine. God's going to make this house. I came to prophetically release over this house today. You can grab it in the atmosphere for your house too if you want to. But God's about to bless this house right in the midst of famine. Right when it don't make no sense. You watch. We're going to build buildings in the midst of a pandemic. We're going to build buildings in the midst of an e- economic downturn. We're going to see God do things. We're about to spread our borders wide. We're about to see an influx of God's outpouring because God is going to be found true to his word. Look with me. Look, you don't have to look. There'll be on the screen. Mark 4.11 says, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That word mystery literally means the secret counsel of God. We have access to the secret counsel of God. Because we have access to the hidden things of God, the secret things of God, we have access to the counsel of God. That means faith is never content to live in unfruitfulness. Your faith is never content to live in unfruitfulness. Say it one more time, waiting on another amen. Your faith is never content to live in unfruitfulness. If you're living in unfruitfulness and you're content with it, you ain't got this blessing I'm talking about. Because this blessing will not let you be satisfied to live in the land of unfruitfulness. There's something about a famine or a desert or a wilderness or dry places that begins to work for our own benefit. Yes, it does. There's a scripture I was reading this morning and just working on all this, but I found this scripture and I trying to get to where I can preach this out to you. I, want, I don't want to skip over a lot of what God is saying. There's a scripture in Hosea 2.14. It says, Therefore I am now going to allure her, and I will lead her into the wilderness or the desert and speak kindly to her. Here's what I've come to understand. When you live in a world that's full of noise, 
When you live in a world that's full of unwarranted voices and distractions, God has a way of pulling you away from that stuff to a dry place so you can hear him and not everybody else. I came to encourage somebody that you said, well, I'm in a famine, I'm in a drought, I'm in a wilderness, I'm in a dry place. You know what? God has led you there because you have been distracted by every other voice in the land. And the Bible says in Corinthians that there are many voices in the land and none of them fail to communicate. So there's something about a dry place that makes us depend on him again. There's something about a wilderness There's something about a desert. There's something about famine that makes us begin to refocus our life, recalibrate our life, reintroduce God back into our life and say, you know what? I tried to handle it on my own, but I realized all I did was live in famine. But I'm about to put my focus back on you because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's got to be by your spirit. And forgive me, God, for thinking that I can manage my life without you. Forgive me, God, thinking that I could rule my day without you in it. So God says, you want it that way? I'll bring you to a dry place. I will lure you into a dry place so that I can reestablish my covenant with you so that I can reaffirm you and let you know that I have not forsaken you I have not abandoned you and I will restore you hallelujah for Paul it was in the Arabia desert for three years for Moses it was in the wilderness for 40 years Joseph it was in Egypt's prisons for 13 years For David, it was fleeing from Saul for many years. Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. God's not going to let you run your life the way you want to. He wants to be a part of your everyday life. And going into 2022, don't think that just because you got a little bit of money, because you got your bills paid and you got your good car running. Don't think that don't think that you got it all together because God has a way of stripping away everything that you put stock in. Because everybody else got stuff, but Isaac got a blessing. I don't want stuff. At the end of the day, you can take my stuff, but oh God, don't take the blessing. Oh God, don't take your promise because I can get stuff back. I can regain stuff, but I cannot afford To lose you in the midst of the chaos. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing when you're you're trying to get to the top? Everything's God this, Jesus that. When you get there, it's like you don't even know he exists. Isn't it amazing when you don't have nothing? Boy, you're fasting and you're praying. You're giving and you're declaring. But once you get it now, it's like you can't even make it to church no more. It's like I just come when I want to. After all, I have arrived. I'm telling you, God has a way of alluring you into a desert. God will say, I will pull away everything that you put stock in. Just to let you know I'm God. And you got to depend on me. Because at the end of the day, God knows our hearts, don't he? He knows the attitude of our hearts. And he knows that if he's going to accomplish his deepest work in our hearts and in our lives, sometimes he has to take us deeper into things where there's no more props. And it has to be when you realize 
Lord, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to walk with you. Can I just say this right here to this house? Not that it needs to be said for everybody, but for somebody in this house. It's a privilege that you get to walk into this sanctuary and raise your hand and worship without being threatened to be thrown in jail. It's an absolute privilege because I got friends in other nations that are pastors and missionaries. They can't do what we do. They can't do what we do because they can be, they, they, they can be drug out of their church and drug out of their homes and they can watch their children die in front of them. And yet we come to church like, well, it's just whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that worship. I really don't know about that crazy preacher up there. I, don't, I, don't, I can't get with all that all the time. It's just like, it's just too much, too much God. God has a way of saying, if I'm just too much, let me live in your world where you think you got enough. Woo, preach now, preach. And it ought to be a privilege that on Sunday morning you talk to your kids. Guess what we get to do today? When was the last time you got excited talking to your kids about coming to church? No, you know what it is? We get in the mundane, the ritual, the routine of just getting up and going to church. And it's like you're fussing at everybody. It ought to be a privilege that we get to drive. Some of us two minutes, some of us 10 minutes, some of us 30 minutes. But it ought to be a privilege that we get to drive however long that is and say, on the way to the house of the Lord, I'm going to be like David. I could not wait when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. I couldn't wait to gather with some believers who think like me. I couldn't wait to gather with some people who don't have an ethnic group like me I couldn't wait till I got in the midst of a company of diverse people so that when we come in under the same roof under the same building and the first chord is struck on the keyboard there's a praise that comes up out of the house of God my children are being blessed my families are being blessed they may not even be in church right now but because I'm in here praising him because I'm in here worshiping him I'm putting a blessing on my family that stuff can't ever provide push on somebody tell them making some room now making some room see that it's the desert the famine that's what we're talking about the the dry places that makes that changes us from everything that's trying to hinder us it's the desert where God forces us to draw deeply on his amazing grace. Because it had not been for the Lord on my side. Whew, don't ever forget that. Where would I be? It's in that dry place, that famine, that season. And you have to know it's only a season. It's not a sentence. It's a season. It's only a season. That God allows you to go through it so that you can exercise your dependence on him. I wrote it down in my notes this morning. Don't fear the famine. Don't fear the dry places. Don't fear the wilderness. Because that's the place where you learn how to hear the voice of God with clarity. Amen. It's the place, according to Hosea chapter 2, where we find out that he really is the bridegroom and I'm the bride. It's the place 
according to Hosea chapter 2, that all my idols get destroyed. Everything that I propped it up in front of God, it's in the wilderness that God removes them. Come away with me. Let me allure you to a desert so that I can take away everything in your life. Come on, 2022. I'm not going into 2022 with all these idols. I'm not going into 2022 with everything that I, that I, have, that I think that I have to have. All I need is the blessing. And I can get some stuff. And God uses, watch this now, this will be on the screen. God uses these experiences so that we can trust him more. This will be on the screen for you. God uses enlarged trials to produce enlarged people so that he can put them in enlarged places. Ooh, isn't that good? Because that's the word for blessing. It means to enlarge. So look at your name and say, everything I'm going through. Come on, look at somebody and say, everything I'm going through. It's because God's making me bigger. Because he's about to drop me into a bigger place. He's about to drop me into a bigger place. He's about to influence. He's about to bring me to a realm of influence that I couldn't get there on my own. God loves me enough to take away everything that's not of him. He loves me enough to make sure that I don't try to worship two gods at the same time. See, that was the deal with Abraham. What you got to understand, I know I'm getting, I got to go. It's 11.55. Unbelievable. It's it's 11.55. This is the deal about Abraham. Before Abraham became the father of faith, Abraham was brought up in a a family that worshipped idols. His father, Terah, was an idol builder. He built idols. It's not in your Bible. It's some of the, 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 the extra books written about the Bible. You can find the history of some of those guys. And, and, and Terah was an idol worshiper. Abraham's father. Abraham comes along. Guess what? He helps his daddy build idols. And, and somewhere along the journey, we're, we don't even know how it happens. It just, he just appears. And all of a sudden, he's a man that believes God. He believes in this supreme Elohim, God of the universe. It's not about idols. It's not about wood and statues and stone. And and we know this to be true because when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the first thing that they built was a golden calf. They built something that they could carry. I don't want to serve a God that I have to carry. I want to serve a God that can carry me. I don't want to serve a God that I have to tell him what he looks like. I want to serve a God that's going to tell me what I need to look like. <sighs> and so that's what Abraham, Abraham began to create this separation because I'm not going to worship idols. I'm not going to worship money. I'm not going to worship stuff. I'm not going to worship things because I can be in a famine and my cows will die. I can be in a famine and my gold don't matter. But as long as I got a blessing, I can put it on the next generation and I can make sure everybody in my family tree is blessed. Tell somebody God's making room now. 2 Samuel 22, 20 says, He brought me into a broad place and he rescued me because he delighted in me. Somebody shout, a broad place. I'm not going to preach these, but I'm going to give them to you just so I don't have to come back to them next week. Because next week is Vision Sunday. Three keys to living in your broad place. Number one, you have to invest when there's no evidence of a harvest. You want to live in a broad place, you've got to invest where there's no evidence of a harvest. The Bible says Isaac sowed in the land of famine. 
Most people are trying to hang on to something when they don't have nothing. Isaac sowed. Losing all my amens right there. But the Bible says Isaac sowed in the land of famine. And he reaped in the same year. Come on, touch somebody and tell them it's the same year. In the same year. In the same year, he got a hundredfold return. Isaac didn't wait until the conditions got right. He didn't wait until everything was lined up. He just sowed in the land of famine. He sowed when the heavens were locked up. He sowed when there wasn't no rain. He sowed when the land was dry. And he just began to move in expectation. I was talking to some guys not too long ago, and they were asking about what we got going on down here. People always want to know what's going on in Cluston. I don't know why. It's like, it's, like, it's like they feel like this is a revival hub, and I don't let them know anything different. <laughs> we had an incident happen a couple weeks back before Christmas, and somebody got mad at us in one of our businesses, and uh, went on Facebook and kind of just threw a bad name out there at us, said that New Harvest Church, and it had nothing to do with the church, it was a business that we got, and just threw a bad name out there, whatever, you know, and uh, then somebody began to comment under it, and they said, yeah, you know that New Harvest they just taking over everything. I said, you better prophesy. <laughs> you better prophesy right there. I said, I'll take that. I said, I, everything else was negative up until that point. I'll take that right there. You better believe it. We coming up in the enemy hell territory. We don't look like we got a lot, but we know how to sow in the midst of famine. We know how to give when it don't make no sense. Let the heavens be locked up. Let there be snow rain in the land. But let God's people say, I know what to do. I got this thing on me that says, I know what to do. Woo. I got a blessing on me that says, I know what to do. What you going to do? I'm going to give in the midst of my own need. <laughs> so, yeah, prophesy, young man. And I don't even know him. He don't know me. Probably other than just by name. But I said, you prophesying. I hit like on that one. Because you know what? I'm not moved by your little social media status. Your social media didn't make me, and I promise your social media ain't going to break me. Bring on cancel culture if you have to. Do what you got to like. But cancel culture didn't make me, and cancel culture can't break me. I am blessed by my father, Abraham, who has the seed, Jesus Christ, the descendant of the Most High God. And what was true of Jesus is true of me. Faith doesn't deny that a problem exists. It just denies it to have a place of influence. I don't stick my head in and saying that like we ain't got no trouble. I know we got trouble. That's why my faith rises. I was born for this hour. I was born. I, listen, I, and I don't, I don't, it don't, and I know that there's a, there's a, there's a core group of these people of New Harvest Church that, that we got these working relationships. And we've been in, we've been in family and we've been in the trenches for 30 years and, and so, so I, I know what I'm about to say is not going to upset you, but, 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 but there, there's other people that's, that, that may not know me as well. But I want to tell you something. I was born to hold this microphone. 
I was born to be set in this place for such a time as this. I'm not afraid of demons and doctrines of devils. I'm not afraid of atmospheres and governments and priority people. What I'm afraid of is missing the will of God. That's what I'm afraid of. And at the end of the day, you can't make me, so you can't break me. At the end of the day, I know what it's like to be in the midst of trial and trauma, but say, hey, God, you said. So I put the pressure back. The Bible says in Isaiah, remind him of his word. It's not that he forgotten it, but he wants you to come to a place in your life where you begin to realize that what he said, you can believe. Woo. Number two, develop an attitude that says you can't make me quit. That's how you get into your broad place. You got to develop an attitude that says, you can't make me quit. You got to learn how to outlast the trash talkers. Because there's always going to be somebody that don't agree with you. I was talking to somebody the other day. It, it, it don't matter what you do. don't matter what you do in life. You, 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 could, you, you, could, you could be the pope. <laughs> if you, Whatever. What, 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 you could be Mother Teresa. Everybody likes Mother Teresa. You could be Mother Teresa, and somebody's going to fuss about what you do. Somebody's going to fuss no matter what. So at the end of the day, just keep doing what God called you to do. You got to outlast the trash talkers. And sometimes you got to dig in places where people want to block you. You got to dig in places where people don't want to celebrate you. The Bible says that Isaac began to dig in Esek, which was, he named it Esek because the herdsmen of Gerar began to quarrel with him. And he said, I'm going to name it Esek because it's the place of contention. It's the place of strife. But you know what he did? He didn't quit. He didn't say, well, I don't guess this is for me. You know what he did? He grabbed the shovel and he started digging again. Sometimes when you get disappointed, that ain't the time to quit and lick your wounds. Grab your shovel, find you another piece of ground, and dig again. <laughs> and then he came to Sitna, which means the place of accusation and opposition. Not everybody's going to be excited about your victories. I don't, I don't know, maybe y'all can help me, but there's something about small town stuff that just, boy, everything gets escalated, right? Yeah. You know, like, like if we lived in a major metropolitan area, half of the battles we fight in small towns wouldn't it be because people don't really care about you. you. You can't see your friend going down the highway and wave at them. You don't see them unless you work with them. But in a small town... <laughs> And what happens is you let somebody start getting elevated. In a small town, God starts blessing their business, blessing their family, blessing their finance, blessing somebody going to try to drag them down. You can't pay no attention to the trash talkers. What separated Isaac from everybody else was he had the ability to move on. Rather than building up resentment, watch me, I'm going to help somebody right here. Rather than building up resentment and carrying offenses That's right. and having a getting even spirit, he just started digging another well. Amen. I come to the understanding that 
No matter what you do, somebody's going to want to be in strife. But that ain't your place to contend. Oh, I'm about to help somebody right here. I said, that ain't your place to contend. I won't prove that to you. That is not your place to contend. In other words, there will be persecution along the way. One of the hardest things that this church has ever done outside birthing New Harvest Ministries in 1990 is trying to build buildings in 2000s. Because nobody wants you to be successful. Because, because this church isn't made up of every, all the big bucks. They're welcome to come, but they don't get to dictate. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody the other day. Something came up about governments and stuff and whatever. And it's a humble approach to me. But they said, what happens if people get mad at you and run you off? I said, that can't happen. I said, that can't happen. I'm not saying God can't run me off. I'm saying people can't run me off. He said, how's that happen? I said, well, number one, people didn't vote me in. And they don't get to vote me out. Now, God can do it. So that's very humbling to me. I love people, but I fear him. Most people got it backwards. They fear people and just love God. Persecution, this will be on the screen. Persecution is the product of manifested power. Look at your neighbor and say, you going through something? Ask him, say, you going through something? Get ready for the power. Woo, somebody ought to shout right there. Just get ready for the power. If you're going through something, get ready for the power. Nobody ever persecuted Jesus as long as he was making cabinets. Nobody ever persecuted Stephen as long as he was serving tables. Nobody ever persecuted Saul as long as he was killing Christians. Nobody ever persecuted David as long as he's on the backside of the desert where nobody could sing. Nobody ever persecuted Nehemiah as long as he was a butler in the king's house. But you let Jesus get baptized and the Holy Spirit ascends upon him like a dove. You let Stephen start working miracles. You let Saul become the apostle Paul. You let David kill a Goliath. You let Nehemiah start rebuilding the walls. Now you got, now you got purpose with power. That's what you have. So, so, so when you manifest power... Watch this now. When you start manifesting power, persecution is soon to follow. I'm closing right here. I just want you to get this. A sign of maturity is when you endure persecution without retaliation. I just said something right there. I just said something right there. Oh, my Lord. I know y'all like got the time right down, but I'm just telling you, if, if, if you have to retaliate, you're not mature. Oh, Lord, I feel like running on that one right there. See, you don't get rewards that, for, that persecution brings when you retaliate. I'm losing all my amens. I don't know if it's the time or if it's the word. I don't know what it is, but I'm losing you. I'm losing. I'm, listen, you ought to stand up in your seat right now because the Holy Ghost is coming to you right here. Look, look what the, the guys threw this scripture up there. Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse number 10 says, Blessed are those... Somebody say blessed. blessed. That means favored. Favored are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. Next verse. Blessed are you. Somebody shout blessed. blessed. 
blessed and favored are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Push on somebody and tell them, boy, they're talking about me. I'm about to be blessed beyond I could ever even imagine. Ooh, if they're talking about me, I'm just getting my favor ready. If they're talking about me, I'm just about to line everything up because I'm about to be blessed coming in and I'm going to be blessed going out. Matthew 5.44 says, I say to you, this is all Jesus talking. Now, all this is Jesus talking. He says, I say to you, love your enemies. Oh, Lord, I just lost the church right there. He said, what did he say? He said, love your enemies. I ain't going to love them. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know how they treat me. Go on with your bad self. Live in famine if you want to. But if you want the blessing to be activated, if you want the favor of God to be activated, quit trying to do it your way and try it God's way. Ah, because if you'll pray for them, if you'll pray for those who persecute you, if you'll love those who persecute you, the verse goes on to say, then you will prove to be sons of God. Mm. <laughs> I feel that y'all so tight in here you couldn't drive a, a, a grease needle. <laughs> y'all so tight. I feel it in here. I'm telling you, that, that's, that's the way of the world. Hate them. Despise them. Get an offense and get them back. Get even. That's the way of the world. That's not the way of Christ. You want the blessings activated in your life? Then you better start acting like a Christian. You better start acting like a believer. You better start obeying the B-I-B-L-E. You better start believing the Bible. <laughs> so I said, why are you so mad? I'm not mad. I'm just intense. I'm just intent because I'm, I'm trying to help this church. We're trying to get through 2022 with some favor on our life. We're trying to get through this thing with the blessings of God. And I don't have time to contend with you. I don't have time to quarrel with you. I don't have time to put up with your accusations. Say what you want to say. You can't hurt me. I'm going to love you. In fact, the more you say, the more I pray for you. Woo! Try that with your husband. Try that with your wife. Don't try it with your kids because they say that to me, they're going to miss some teeth. Kids ain't allowed to back talk. If they back talking in your family, they're going to be back talking against law enforcement. Then they'll be back talking to judge. Then you can go visit them. And they got one uniform. You ain't got that Xbox now. Y'all ain't going to help me, but that's all right. See, when you begin to take matters into your own hands, it ceases to be blessing. It ceases to be persecution. Now it's contention. And God don't bless contention. We just read it. Jesus said, I bless persecution. When that boss don't treat you right, Walk away and say, I'm praying for you. If you got a decent enough relationship, just tell him, say, or her, I'm going to pray for you. And then walk away. Watch the horns grow. Watch steam come out. But you know what we want to do? We want to take a stand. We want to die on that hill. So what you just, you just created contention. You know what you did? You lost the influence of the blessing. 
I got like four people saying amen. That's right. The other one, y'all just look at me like I've lost my ever-living mind. I'm reading your Bible. Every time when you're attacked, every time you're talked about and you retaliate, don't call it persecution. Call it contention. No wonder that the churches in third world undeveloped nations are thriving. Because you know what they do? Because they are persecuted. They're praying for their leaders. They're praying for their governments. God turn them. God arrest their hearts. See, I'm fixing to bring the worship team up here so you can know that we're closing for real. But there's a defining difference between a person, or we could say leaders, we're all leaders, who seek to lead through a vertical dimension versus one who seeks to lead through a horizontal fix-it mode. This is going to be so pertinent to your life right now. Sometimes God uses people and relationships to accomplish the very growth we need in our lives. Everybody wants a miracle. Nobody wants the process. And sometimes God, watch, I said it, sometimes God allows injury and offenses to come to find out what's in your heart. Because God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. David said, if it was from an enemy from without, man, I could have handled this. I could have handled what's going on in my camp if it came from an enemy from without. But it came out of my own house. The very thing that I'm supposed to love the most is the very thing that's bringing the most persecution to me. But it ain't my job to retaliate. Oh, y'all got to hear me. It's my job to love them. Ah. It's my job to pray for them. It's my job not to quench the blessing of God in my life. Because while they may be in a famine, I'm not going to be in a famine. I'm not going to live in drought. I'm not going to live in a desert. I may have to go through it, but I'm not going to live there. Because I'm going to learn how to build an altar. Come on, Isaac. I'm going to learn how to dig a well. Come on, Isaac. I'm going to learn how to find water in the midst of my persecution. I'm going to learn how to do it. Because what matters is not me trying to fix it. See, everybody's got this. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'll I'll fix it. I'll fix it. And we fix it out of our own flesh. And all you do is wound people. All you do is put. And you say, well, they deserve it. No, no, no. I wish God would peel back the layers of your life when you, when you were covered, when you were loved, when you were being mistreated. See, when your heart stays clean, this is what I'm trying to help. This, I'm trying to help you how to work this. I, I'm trying to tell you how to get into a broad place. Isaac got to a broad place because you know what? He didn't, he didn't stay in contention. Because when your heart gets clean, <laughs> that's freedom. Yeah. My wife and I were talking. We've been talking over the last several days kind of about some of this stuff. And you know what? I am so free in my spirit. 
I am so free of my spirit. I mean, I, I get, you know, I, you can't do what we do and not get talked about. You, you can't always please everyone. Somebody's going to say something, you know. But, but I, I am so free in my spirit. I, I don't even look at them across eyes. I don't even look at them like, mm, I don't like that. I don't even care. I can, I can walk down the, the walls of the halls. Somewhere in Walmart, if you got to go there, I can go through Walmart and see them, and it don't even bother me. I can say, how you doing? Have a good day. I was just in the store right before Christmas. Somebody came in and put daggers in my back. I said, how you doing today? God bless you. And I moved on. I don't have to have a hamburger with them, but I can't let what's inside my spirit be contaminated by strife and envy and jealousy and contention. The blessing of God on my life is more valuable than their perception of my life. Who push on somebody and tell them it's a broad place. I want to close with this right here. A.W. Tozer, this will be on the screen. A.W. Tozer said, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. If you've been hurt, and if you've been wounded, and I know you have, you just need to know that God is going to bless it. Mm. God. Here's the reality. Here's what Jesus was saying when he said pray for those and love those people that don't like you, that are trying to hurt you, trying to destroy you. Karen knows this. We talk about it. Karen knows this. We, this church is 32 years old. Listen, I've survived it all. We have. There's a lot of people here. I mean... We, 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 we survived people. We've survived insults. We have survived economic downturns. We have survived the IRS. I mean, by, by God, you survived the IRS. You, got, you, you know you're cooking with something now. I mean, we, we survived it all. And Karen and I talk about this all the time. Listen, I, I'm at a place, and you can blame it on age if you want to. I really trust that God has wounded me deeply so that I can mature greatly. Because at the end of the day, when I stand before him, Pukinani ain't going to be there with me. Billy Bob ain't going to be there with me. I'm going to stand before him by myself. And he's not going to say, well, look how you did when they did that. He's going to say, he's going to look at me and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you the blessing to prosper no matter who was against you. I gave you the ability to overcome no matter what circumstances you found yourself in. And I put, this is Jesus, I put my love in you. So that you can love people who crucify you on a cross. You can, you can do it like Jesus did. If you don't like the way I'm saying it, look how Jesus did it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm going to love them in spite of my pain. I'm going to love them in spite of the way they rejected me. When you start acting like that, you're coming into a broad, broad place. Because God is making room for you. Amen. We were in a meeting. The other, I'm going to close right here. Pastor Porter, you better come on. That's the third one I got. I ain't got no more. <laughs> we were in a meeting the other day, and, and, and I, I had to be careful because they might be listening. They're not here on the thing, but I was in a meeting, 
and, and, and we were just talking, and, and it was, with, a, it was, it was with, with another female, and so I don't meet with females if I don't know you by myself, so I had Grace come in there with me, and just, because I don't know them, and they don't know me, and I don't want to be accused. <laughs> That's just called wisdom. And the question was asked to me, because we got in these little theological debates, which mean absolutely nothing. And he said to me, do you ever get mad? I thought, where did that come from? I'm trying to fix you. Now you're asking me. Do you ever get mad? And before I could even respond, Grace is sitting right there. She goes, I've been here, Pastor Corey, how long have y'all been here? Three years? Almost three. She said, I've been here three years, and I see him every day, and I've never seen him mad. I see him every day, and I've been here for almost three years, rubbing shoulders. Probably what she didn't say, I seen him when he felt mad. I seen him when he wanted to be mad, but you know what? I said, you know what? I just, I, I laid back in my chair, and I, I didn't say this publicly, but I said, thank you, Jesus, because that's a fruit that I want coming out of my life. I want that kind of fruit coming out because I've been persecuted just like you have. I've had to overcome trials and trauma just like you have. But at the end of the day, I want my testimony to be, boy, he can sure operate by the gifts of the Spirit. He sure has the fruits of the Spirit operating in his life. And let me just say this while I'm saying that. Don't mistake my kindness for passivity. Just because I'm kind don't mean I'm passive. I'm going to say that again. Don't mistake my kindness because kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Don't mistake my kindness for passivity. It may not look like I'm doing anything. It may not look like I'm handling anything. But don't just think because I'm being kind, I ain't working behind the scenes. Don't think just because you don't see me blowing up and pitching a fit don't mean I ain't working behind the scenes because my greatest work is not what I can say to somebody. It's how I get to pray for them. It's how I get to intercede for their life. For they too are in need of a savior y'all missed a great place to shout amen maybe it don't mean that much to me but it did it means a whole lot to me number three the last one if we're going to come into a broad place you got to learn how to manage pressure Mm -hmm. the greater the pressure the greater the power in the midst of digging wells there was pressure to stop There was pressure to give up. I'm talking to somebody here. You're in that day. You're in that moment. There's pressure for you to walk away. I wonder how many people even in this room and under the sound of my voice have walked away from marriages because of pressure. I wonder how many people have given up on dreams, on a job or a business because of pressure. I wonder how many people have given up on their assignment because of pressure let me just break it down since we love and all everybody in here how many people leave the church because of pressure I have I've pastored long enough now ladies and gentlemen I 
what, whatever you category you slice me up in, it don't matter. But, but I'm not a novice. I'm not a novice. Most people leave the church because of their own internal pressure where they refuse to grow past a point. And they leave a church because they don't want to deal with the very thing that God put them in that church to deal with. Some of the people in your life that's working against you, God put them there. God put them there. He put a Saul in David's life so that Saul wouldn't become like, so David wouldn't become like Saul. Some of the very people in your life that irritating you, rubbing you wrong, is the very people that God put in your life so that you can fix something in here. So that you can learn how to deal with the pressure in here. Because if not, you're always going to walk away from something. You're always going to be too quick to give up over anything. Well, I'll just quit. I'll just leave. I'll just do what... That's, that's, that's because you won't deal with the pressure. Isaac stayed obedient because he was handling the pressure. And he was moving through the land until he got to the place where he dug another well. I'm saying for you in 2022... You may have to dig again. You may have to dig another well. It's not a well that's never existed. It's just a well that's been stopped up by your enemies. Isaac didn't dig fresh wells. He dug up the wells that his father Abraham dug, but they'd been stopped up. Demonic activity in your life is a clue that Satan has discovered and promotion is just around the corner. Nobody got mad at Lazarus until he got raised from the dead. Then everybody went after Lazarus. You can read it. It's in your Bible. They begin to attack Lazarus because he was raised from the dead. Lazarus didn't mean nothing to nobody until he was raised from the dead. Then, then all the Pharisees start talking and say, well, now the whole world's going to come to know Jesus. <laughs> just think, ever, all the thing that you're going through, the death that you're dying right now, just think of the glory that's about to come. Maybe the whole world's going to come to know Jesus through what you're going through. He kept digging. You can stand, please. He kept digging. He kept digging. And he kept digging. And he kept digging. And then they get to Sheba. And he says, at last, we have found some water. And the Bible says, and they did not quarrel over it. You know what? Something to be said about people who just stay with it. You just eventually shut your enemies up. The enemies didn't leave the land. They were still there. They just knew they couldn't stop him. They weren't going to waste no more energy trying to stop him. Some of you this year are digging. You know what? That, that well that Isaac dug in Sheba and it became Beersheba, it had been stopped up for a hundred years. A hundred years that well had been stopped up. 
but because he refused to give up and he was handling the pressure he dug that well up and to this day right there in Beersheba in the Middle East water is still flowing you know what it did it became an oasis it became a well for a whole city for a whole region you know what corporately God's saying to New Harvest Church we're we're going to become a well an oasis for a whole region where they can come and find some water they can come and take a drink because we didn't give up was there persecution along the way did we get tired did we feel like giving up you better believe it did we want to retaliate boy a thousand times over but you know what we learn how to love people we learn how to pray for people we learn how to bless those who are persecuting us because my battle is not with flesh and blood come on talk to me up in here my battle is not with flesh and blood but it's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and I'm just going to say this and then we're going, we're going to work it out right here. Because I feel this. If you got your, your, your uh, advance to calls offering, we're going to pray over that. You can, however you, I know it's late. It's 1230. I know the time. I've, been, I've known the time ever since I started. But let me just say this. We're going to get ready. You can bring that however you want to. But let me just say this. How, this is how we're going to do it. So far, it, for the advance to calls offering, we've had over $67,000 come in. $67,000 that come in. You know what that tells me? Some of y'all been giving. Some of y'all have been sowing. Some of y'all are working it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm working my field. I'm working my field. I'm working my field. No, you're, look at your other neighbor and say, I'm working my famine. That's what I'm doing. I'm working my famine. Some of you haven't given, whatever. That's your, that's your business. You do what you want to do. I'm just telling you, God's going to bless this house and God's going to bless your house because I'm working my famine. I'm going to sow. And so, so, so we're getting ready to do that. But I want... But, but, we're going to do it one or two ways because I, I, I just feel this. I got my seed right there, mine and Karen's seed. We, 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 we're honoring God at every level. But this is what I want to say. Some of you are in that battle right now where you've been contending. And I want, I want to throw this out there real quick. Some of you will not respond to what I'm saying because pride won't let you. Because you still got fight in you. You still got contention in you. And you won't respond and break down and let God do what he needs to do. You know what? You'll live your whole year like that. I didn't come here to give you a little cute sermonette. I I came here to bring the word of the Lord for 2022. And that's what God has said to us. There are some people that didn't even come this morning because the devil talked them out of it. Because they knew God knew they needed to hear this word. But here's the other thing. You are here because God wanted you to be here. And if you got prior engagements, appointments, I get that. You're free and there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. None of that on you. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying God's working. God's working. And you're contending. And what I believe what God has instructed me to do, He told me to open up the altars. Open up the altars. And you come and find a place. You can bring your seat if you want to or you can just come and pray. Whatever you want to do. I'm not making a big deal out of any of it. But I'm just saying we're going to take at least five to six minutes. And we're going to lay it right here at the altar. We're going to surrender right here at the altar. I'm bringing my seed because I'm sowing in famine. I'm bringing my life because I'm going to outlast the trash talkers. And I'm going to bring everything I got because I'm not going to be moved by the pressure. Because God's bringing us into a broad place. Amen? Can somebody say a broad place? It's a place that don't make no sense. So on the count of three, I don't want you to hesitate. Bring your seed. Come to pray however you want to do it. But just... Either stand or kneel, but find you a place at this altar. Take five or ten minutes, and let's pray. One, two, three. Come on, we're moving now in the name of Jesus.